Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Melissa Valdez is an elementary school teacher. She obtained her master's degree in early childhood education amid the pandemic in 2022. She has over 15 years of experience in the field and has taught various age groups and learning levels throughout her career. She currently teaches kinder at Sarah King Elementary. She is also my mother. Welcome to this episode, Ms. Valdez. Glad to be here. Ms. Valdez, you grew up in the south side and west side of San Antonio. Tell us about these regions and your experience living here. Did you grow up bilingual? Um, actually, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I guess I did grow up bilingual, but I don't fluently speak Spanish. I speak English. Um, but I did grow up in the south and west side of towns. So I would say this is a, a working class area, and there was lots of Hispanics, um, probably Mexican descent, and... I don't know if I had an okay experience living there. I still currently live near the west side of San Antonio, near the Jefferson area. So it's an area that I'm very familiar with, and I think good experiences there. But again, I'm, I feel like I, I grew up bilingual, but I, I don't speak Spanish, and I'm not bilingual, if that makes any sense. Can you elaborate on that experience? Well, you know, you say how you're kind of bilingual, but you're not. Like, Do you want to add more details to that? Yeah, I guess I, I understand Spanish. My parents both spoke Spanish and English. My grandparents also spoke Spanish and English. So um, growing up, I did go to Catholic school, and it was monolingual, it was um, English. So I spoke English at home, and I spoke English, especially at school. And so basically, again, when I say I'm somewhat bilingual, I do understand Spanish. I guess I grew up around it, and I heard it a lot through my grandparents or parents, so I definitely understand it, which I would think would be bilingual. Right. Okay. Okay, yeah, I think that goes into our next question a little bit. Can you tell us a bit about your journey into higher education as a first-generation student? What kind of support were you given to encourage your academic growth? Well, pretty much I did very well in school, in elementary and, you know, middle school, high school, did very well, had great, good grades. So I always had encouragement by other teachers just to continue and to really just continue my education in, in higher education. So that's exactly what I did. Even in college, I was always um, supported with professors or other teachers just kind of guiding me and encouraging me to complete my education despite all the obstacles in life. So I always had like a positive rapport with professors or teachers in my life, like throughout my life. Would you say that you received more support with your English education rather than Spanish? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I did grow up in, I went to Catholic school, so it was primarily English. Everybody spoke English. There was no Spanish at all. I didn't hear that in school. So, yeah, definitely. I guess I did well in, in that aspect. You've taught children from Head Start to Middle School. 
How has your own experience of growing up in the South Side and West Side informed your curriculum or pedagogy? Um, I guess it, you know, growing, growing up in those areas, I was around, um, I'm comfortable being around people like me. Um, so I kind of understand um, where our families are coming from. So I think I relate to them a little bit more. And I'm, I guess it's helped me understand their background. I'm not so... I would say judgmental or anything. I am kind of coming from a point of understanding that, hey, you know, kids have a lot on their plate nowadays. And, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm just more understanding because I've been there, done that. And I've grown up in the same type of environment that the children that I now serve are in. So we have a lot in common. How many kind of different languages do you hear on Sure King? Sorry. Yeah, um, there's very... Um, languages, there's English. Of course, I'm teaching primarily in English. Um, I do, have, there's a Spanish um, bilingual teacher at our campus, and we also have students who speak Farsi, Pashto, students who have, um, are from Afghanistan. You were born and raised in Texas, a place that can be described as multilingual and multiracial, like most places in the U.S., Spanish is the second most prominent spoken language. How has your bilingual, bicultural, and biliterate identity been transformed, transformed, challenged, or enhanced by your experiences? I guess that's a hard question to answer, but I would think, you know, just having my background, like you said, in the south side, in the west side of town, it's kind of more understanding of... Um, the families that I teach, and I feel like I validate a lot of their experiences, even if it's a little bit of Spanish here and there, um, because the families I serve, a lot of them, um, they may not speak Spanish, the kiddos that I teach, um, but they hear it, and they say certain words, and I understand certain words, or I'll validate certain words, or you know, they'll attempt to speak it, or they'll say, no, I don't speak Spanish, I speak English, and I'll just kind of validate their Spanish, too. Like, I'm like, you know, it's okay to speak Spanish, it's okay to say those words in our classrooms, we hear them at home, you know, I just wanted it to be a, a comforting space when they come into my classroom, where it's not only English, it's, you know, it's okay to identify or learn some of those words and, and pretty much validate their experiences. So I think it's been very beneficial, especially the bicultural part and just validating who they are, who their parents are, who their grandparents are, and not just saying only English here, like it's been done in the past. Even though I don't speak Spanish very well or fluently, I do validate those little pieces that I, that I still can say, those words that I can say in my class. Right. Considering the benefits of biliteracy in education, cognitive enhancements, and maintaining cultural connection, what influenced your decision to not teach or support biliteracy in your children? Part of our lived experience is our parents wanted us to do well in school. So, of course, we were sent to Catholic schools so we can get the best education we can. And as a way you know, to maybe, you know, I, I think our families wanted us to go to college, wanted us to have the best, and I think that was their way of finding that and not necessarily understanding um, the baggage of the previous discrimination that I guess they had in life 
I guess, you know, my, my parents too were very, um, they couldn't speak Spanish. There was, it was, it was against the rules, I think, to speak Spanish when they were in school. So I guess whatever lived experience they had, it's brought on to us. And as a result, it was like, mm, well, you know, this is, this is my life. This is um, what I know. And it's not that I didn't want to support it or teach it. I just felt I didn't, I wasn't fluent or confident enough in myself to make that important, especially when, you know, my parents spoke to us in English and my grandparents spoke to us in English. So the teachers would speak to us. Everything was just done in English. So it was just the language that I chose, I felt comfortable with. And I identified with. Right, that was the dominant language that was or, promoted, right? Yeah. English. Especially, you know, like I said, with my parents, grandparents, everybody was um, pretty fluent in English as well. I mean, they were in Spanish, but when they would conversate with us, it was in English. So. Right, I remember grandma told me a story of how, like, one of her teachers slapped her with a ruler for speaking Spanish. Yeah. In school. So kind of like sad to hear. It is sad to hear. And, you know, even the experience of, you know, when you go into the deeper issues of how discrimination like affects people and, you know, what if the people talk about accents and people talk about, you know, the way it sounds or, or whatnot, who knows. But, but had I learned it, I, I definitely would have taught you guys. <laughs> but, but it's hard to do that when you yourself aren't fluently bilingual, I would say. Right, and you also had us when you were young, so I'll, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> How would you kind of support our Spanish literacy now? Like, now they were kind of older. and You know, especially in Nisa, I think when I was a little older, I was like, you know, you go talk to your grandma Gossetis and go talk to her and maybe have a conversation. I think she was the one that picked up a little bit more Spanish than both, both of y'all. Yeah. And at that time, it's because I, I wanted her to be a little bit more aware of, hey, you know, this is a language that, that's been in our families for many years. But again, I don't regret it because I, I, I don't regret it because I identify with the English language. I think as many people who are Spanish speakers or Farsi speakers, they identify with their first language. And that's super important in education. So if your first primary primary language is English, I mean, that should be, you know, treasured too. That is your language. That's how you communicate with the world. The same thing with Spanish speakers, Farsi speakers, or Pashto speakers. That is their way of communicating with their families. My way of communicating with my families was English. And that was my lived experience. So I don't think I would change anything, honestly, because this is just a product of where we're at in life. And I'm happy y'all did great in school and, you know, y'all are not maybe bilingual like me, <laughs> but, you know, maybe in the future, that's something to think about when you have kids, what you want from them, if you want them dual language. I mean, there's so many good programs out there that are very beneficial and show a lot of benefits to children. So, right. I wanted to mention there is this seal of biliteracy award that's given by like a school district or state to recognize students who have studied and attained proficiency in two or more languages by high school graduation. And like I've heard like this started happening around 2016. I think it was like firstly like enacted into like not like a law but like you know into a rule in like 2015. So this is pretty recent. So what do you think about introducing bilingual literacy in primary and or secondary education? 
No, oh, I, I, I've always agreed. I, 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 again, if that is your first, I guess it wouldn't be. It's biliteracy, so. Right, so you'd be learning two languages, like reading and writing in two languages. I think it's a great idea if we have teachers who um, sincerely, you know, believe in this method and um, and it's, it sounds like a really great idea, honestly. Maybe when we think about literacy, we have to think about the whole population of students, the students that I serve at Sarah King. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of um, students coming in from Afghanistan speaking Pashto, Farsi, so we, I feel like we sometimes neglect that culture a lot, and we need to start seeing, you know, how we can help all students in biliteracy because these students are biliterate too and they're, they're learning multiple languages. I'm pretty sure they're learning Spanish too and they're maybe looking at biliteracy um, with different languages too, not just English and Spanish or English and right whatever. If we were to like kind of create or like expand those resources to the community, it could be kind of like localized based on the needs right mm-hmm. it's like because like at Sarah King it looks like like Farsi would be and also another language that would need to be like addressed or like talked about not talked about but like taught or like you know just kind of maintain their cultural heritage yeah instead of erasing it like I wouldn't say maybe we went through in life but <laughs> maybe but it looks like the families are sticking to the speaking of their other language, whether it's Pashto or Farsi, um, like the way our families did, right? Like we talked Pashto at home, English at school. <laughs> so they're become they're biliterate and they're learning how to become, you know, bilingual, and um, maybe even speaking Spanish in there too, because I'm sure they're hearing all these different languages in their community that they live in. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I hope that that is something that, you know, will gain even more momentum. Right. You know. Just like more support for students learning more than one language rather than focusing on the monolingual idea of like English. Like, you know, how that's worked for us. Just like more inclusion of that, especially in our communities. Our communities can benefit from like support in school, right? Supporting the language growth in school. That's kind of to like reinforce it too, that learning of, because like languages are hard to learn, okay? For some kids, it's very easy. I think that's for some kids, it's very hard. I think it was very hard for me to learn. That's why maybe I pushed it off. It wasn't very easy for me to, I guess, enunciate words correctly or say things correctly. Right. But there are some kids who, I mean, they're kids, they're five-year-olds, and they're speaking different languages, so... (laughs) It's definitely, you know, it can happen. Right. Well, I just want to thank you, Ms. Valdez. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we they're here. We're here. We got to, you know, just embrace our culture and embrace who we are. And part of that is identifying and, and trying to keep those little bits and pieces of ourselves. And I think we do that, too. I mean, even our, our families still speak in Spanish, but we understand. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely understand. It's not like we don't understand. Um, but yeah, it's something to think about. It's very thought-provoking. You know, like I said, maybe in the future and if ever when you start having families or you start having kids and what you want to give back or what you want your child to have. I mean, those are those are things that that are possible, right? If you have an educational system that says, hey, you know, we have a dual language program here. Would you be interested in your child 
um, learning two languages. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you.